Hey, San Francisco, I'm Ben Kaplan, and this is the podcast where we define who we are and who we want to be. We are diverse. We are innovative. We are inclusive. We are change makers. Problem solvers. Activists. Leaders. Citizens. We are open-minded. Optimistic. There's hope for a better tomorrow. And you, and you, and you, gotta give them hope. This is the podcast that's more than a podcast. San Francisco, they are the world champions. San Francisco. Hey, San Francisco. Today I'm chatting with Forrest Liu. He's an anti-Asian hate activist and a co-founder of Dear Community, a group that supports Asian small business corridors that have been negatively impacted by COVID-19 and racism against the Asian community. Forrest is something of an accidental activist. In 2021, the unprovoked attack and murder of Grandpa Vicha, an elderly Thai American man in San Francisco, spurred Forrest into action. He started a nonviolent volunteer foot patrol in Chinatown, recruited dozens of others to the cause, and eventually left his profession to focus on Asian issues full time. So despite San Francisco's population being more than one third Asian, does the city actually elevate and celebrate its Asian community? Or do Asian issues and concerns get swept under the rug unless it happens to be when a local politician needs support? Let's find out with Forrest Liu. Forrest, I think your story of how you came to be an activist almost parallels the story of San Francisco as Asian hate has been an increasingly worrisome trend in recent years. To start with, how did you go from your regular job, so-called regular job, to getting really involved in the future of the city and especially elevating Asian issues? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Ben, for having me. Really grateful to be here. It's a really important issue, um, a really important issue to me. I um, used to work as a regular finance worker here in San Francisco basically my whole career. And I saw a video one day in early 2021 of an elderly Asian man, same as Grandpa Vicha, Ratana Pakti. Uh, he was horrifically murdered. And it just kind of sparked all these emotions in me. I had a very visceral reaction and I wanted to do something about it. So because of that video, um, I just started organizing after work, a patrol group in Chinatown, a nonviolent volunteer patrol group. And we would meet up after work and, uh, and we'd walk the streets of Chinatown. And we saw, I mean, all sorts of shocking stuff, you know, people stealing from merchants, people uh, casing ATMs, people targeting the businesses for robberies and attacks uh, to community most vulnerable. Take me back to organizing those patrols. It's interesting, both in terms of just being really concerned about what's happening to especially those elderly members of the Asian community in San Francisco, but it's also a really good example of just the power of individual people doing things. You don't have to be elected to something to make a difference or create change. So how did that even happen? Let me let me take you back a little further, if you don't mind, Ben. I want to tell you why the video sparked this in me. When I was like seven or eight years old, I remember this really vividly. My, my mom, uh, she's a librarian. She's working at the Richmond Public Library. My dad was working here in the city. So every morning, my dad would commute to um, San Francisco, and my mom would take the BART to the Richmond BART station, then walk to the library. And if you remember the time or knew the walk, Richmond used to be not the safest place in the world. And that walk from the BART station to the library, what took you through a pretty unsafe part of Richmond, the city. And um, one day 
I remember this, my dad came home and he threw this newspaper on the table and there was two Asian people, a younger Asian person and his elderly father, and they were on a walk and they were robbed. And during the course of the robbery, the, the father, the older Asian man was shoved to the ground. He struck his head on the ground. He passed away. And I remember, um, my dad was so upset because he, he could not like accompany my mom to work. He couldn't keep her safe. He felt very helpless and he felt very upset and angry. And I was there thinking as a seven or eight year old kid, like, what can I do? Like, what can I do, uh, to, to do something about the situation for my dad? And, um, so when I saw the video in 2021 of grandpa Visha, all of that came up in me again. And I was like, I need to do something right now. I have to, um, and yeah, I just started, I just want to do the patrol. And I was in this group of, uh, people, um, who were Asian, um, and who were unemployed uh, or they were unemployed at the time. And I was chatting with them and we, we were trying to figure out basically how to get jobs. And I was chatting with them and how angry I was about the video. And I have other like friend group chats and I was, I just started texting people. That's how, that's how organizing is. You're just, you're just texting people and asking them to show up for something. And I asked them to come out patrol and like a bunch of people came and people were, were angry just like I was about what they saw about Grandpa Vicha and and the like kind of bubbling up on social media of these attacks against Asian elders. Um, and I don't know, like we were in Chinatown, we were walking around. Um, this other activist named Will Ham uh, flew in from New York. And then because he came, like the media came and because of the media more people came to the patrols and it was just kind of a compounding effect that Chronicle did a feature on our patrol and and then the Atlanta spa shootings happened and we went from I don't know like a 12 person patrol every few nights to like a weekly patrol five nights a week 30 plus people coming out to Chinatown to walk the streets. It was a time when I feel like there's these moments and we can even talk about whether we're in another one in San Francisco now in a broader sense, but there's these moments where there's sort of this collective will. Some of it can be fueled by frustration and anger and rightly so. Others can be fueled by just people just, you know, just being fed up with the situation and being, it's time to do something. But there's like these moments where people come together in surprising ways. And one of the themes of this show is we is greater than me right? We're always greater together than we are individually. And it sounds like you're describing one of these moments where you described it as a snowball. It's just like, you can't almost prevent it from happening. It just goes. And the reason it goes is just, it sort of needs to happen and people can sense that and you can feel that. And I just feel like those kind of moments when they happen, you just gotta, one, you gotta ride the wave and two, you gotta make the most of it. And it sounds like that's what you did. Yeah. I made a huge change in April. I wanted to patrol more than anything. Like I would leave work. I would, you know, not be completely honest with my supervisors and like leave 4.30 to just try to get to the patrol as soon as I could. And and I realized that part of what was holding me back was not living in a city. So I stayed at a monthly Airbnb in April, 2021. At the end of that month, someone else had booked it for the next month that so I got kicked out. And I was like, geez. And so I, I ended up moving into an apartment. I ended up moving to the city because I wanted to keep the patrol going. I ended up leaving my career in June because I wanted to just keep what I was doing alive. and seized upon that moment, but like, I don't know, make it make a difference, like feel fulfilled in my work. Do you wanna change the trajectory of our city on issues like public safety, civic disorder, and government accountability? If you want change to happen now and feel that San Francisco city leadership isn't moving nearly fast enough, come join our movement. Learn more at wesanfrancisco.org slash join. 
Forrest, take us through from that point now, because you really recommitted and kind of changed your life's purpose, your life's work really around that moment. And that's amazing. And how do you think about now where a couple of years removed from that, the first patrols that you did. And how do you feel Asian issues are treated now? Do you feel like, oh, it's been around for a while and it used to be covered a lot and it's not being covered as much anymore? Do you feel like Asian issues get attention when politicians need votes and things are going on? How do you feel like kind of the movement has evolved, you know, from those initial just like really brazen attacks and people getting up in arms and then sort of time progressing? Let me start with with one evolution where the patrol groups uh, and the patrolling that I was doing, we had a big shift. I was bringing all these people in the Chinatown. We were walking the street and, you know, it it's not the most exciting thing. It's really gritty. It's really raw. Days go by, nothing happens. Sometimes something really bad happens. Uh, and after patrol, um, the community building happens when we meet up at a local restaurant. When we, um, after the restaurant, we go to a local bar, we hang out. And that's where the community building was happening. And, you know, I was made the change my mind. I, I just thought, like as a finance major, more patrols, more patrols, more tax, more patrols everywhere. Um, it was actually another person named Amy Lee who convinced me that like, actually the way I was helping was because all these people were coming into Chinatown. They really wanted to help. They really wanted to get involved. And after patrol, we'd spend money at a local restaurant. We spent money at a local bar. These businesses needed help. They needed people around. People around keeps them safer. They were open longer. You can make more money. Um, and so the patrol pivoted to an organization that uh, we co-founded called Dear Community, where we bring people together. We're building a community of people who want to stop Asian hate and support local Asian businesses in the name of uplifting Asian pride. But to answer your question, I also um, myself got involved in local politics because um, we needed our, our elected leaders to advocate for, for our community because we were under attack. You know, Feeling safe is a, a basic human right. Um, and we didn't have that. We didn't have that. We didn't, you know, the top prosecutor of our city and county, Chase Boudin, refused to even say the word stop Asian hate. Never said it. Uh, three words, not long multi-syllable words, by the way. A lot of the activism uh, I was doing translated directly into action, political action, which is, I mean, the very definition of being an activist, right? You know, the recall of Chase Boudin and and galvanizing the Asian community behind a school board recall and then driving that home in November. It's like the Ed Lee days again, where the Asian voice has suddenly become relevant and important because of what happened in 2022 with uh, the, the elections. So this kind of natural evolution, it sounds like for you, which is an evolution in the city as well, right? Which is crime happening, crises happening, you respond to it, you do what you can. And then two, you realize to have a bigger impact that kind of evolves and then you know, what became just an effort to just prevent people from getting attacked becomes like, we have to engage in the political process. And oh, some of the value of our movement is not just the patrols itself, but it's the community that forms. And can we elevate that? And we have financial power and we have a united voice and we have all these things. So all those things happen. Do you feel like because Ed Lee was the city's first Asian mayor, where Asian issues just elevated them just because of, of who he was. Do you feel we've lost some of that? Even though Asian population in San Francisco, more than a third of the population, right? Chinese American population, more than 20% of the population of San Francisco. It, it's like a niche group, but an enormous niche for San Francisco. Do you feel like it was different in the Ed Lee days? You know, I used to intern for Mayor Ed Lee, and I remember that time. I was very young, but um, we had Asian mayor. We had five Asian board of supervisors, supervisors on the board, you know? A lot of infighting, but like the infighting was a sign of there is a lot of advocates for the Asian community. 
Ed passed away very tragically, um, very suddenly, unexpectedly. Um, a huge community uh, activist, advocate for our community, Rose Pack, then passed away not too long after. And you saw this, this decline in Asian power as other people took control. This far left faction in San Francisco, uh, radical leftism took hold. You know, uh, the supervisor of Chinatown, the kingpin of uh, this activism, Aaron Peskin, took over and built this new empire, school of thought here in San Francisco uh, that that really sidelined and left Asian people out. You know, we, um, we, we occupy a third of the city in terms of population, but nationally we're still a minority group. And there's this myth, the model minority myth, right? In San Francisco, we have the highest, I think, median, not average, median income. And there's so many of us, many who are not Asian, view us as exempt from being a marginalized community. But we face our own struggles as non-white Americans, you know, most predominantly being seen and heard is a big struggle for us. You know, having somebody to have our backs when we're under fire, I mean, that's something that we need. And we don't have it from other groups. We, we're the perpetual foreigner, right? We're born and raised here, but we're never truly American. We're always Asian American. You know, our, our status is, is other, right? We're not black and brown communities, marginalized communities. We're not white Americans. Um, and yeah, we've really just seen this decline of Asian representation, Asian advocacy, Asian power since Ed Lee, Rose Pack, their deaths. And we're, we hit a crisis point. We had su such a little voice in the city that the school board had run amok that the top prosecutor of the city and county would look at all these horrific attacks and do nothing because it, we didn't matter anymore. And that's, that's where this all, this all kind of bubbled up from when, you know, when Grandpa was killed, when the Stop Asian Movement happened. And even recent examples of things that have passed, I don't know if, if you noticed this, but in the recent housing element update, which by law you have to do every eight years, and there's new goals set, and that was just passed in January of this year. And I was going through that, and they have, you know, different goals. And one of the goals was repair the harms of racial and ethnic discrimination against American Indian, Black, and other people of color. And I don't know if you saw that. And if you do read the paragraph, it does mention Japanese Americans and it references sort of the Filipino experience. But just when I saw that, my first thing was, oh, here we are, Asian community as other. Again, we're the other in that headline, not even mentioned. And I don't know if you noticed that, but when I did that, I just thought like, oh, that kind of epitomizes and, and I was like, did no one look at that and say like, hey, why is the one third of San Francisco's population that definitely has an invested role in housing elements is and what the future of housing in San Francisco is, is now other in the major goals of the document? It fits perfectly into the, the national and local perception of Asian people. We're not seen as a marginalized community. We're not seen as leaders either, right? We're in another category where people don't view an Asian man in a company as how they think an executive should look like. People don't um, view us as people who, who need some level of, of assistance because of racial injustice. But that's not the truth, is it? Right? The truth is that we came here to this country in, in, a, in a terrible fashion. You know, we, we were basically working as as you know, below minimum wage laborers to build the railroad treated horribly, inhumane conditions. Our women were trafficked and prostituted on the streets of Chinatown. We were treated as, you know, a less than human status. And 
We worked very hard to write our own history. We put our kids through school, sacrificed everything so they could have a better life. Do you have a special skill that you'd love to contribute back to the city we all love? We're looking for volunteers with skills in diverse areas like photography, videography, social media, data science, and accounting. Find out how much fun it can be to change San Francisco's future at wesanfrancisco.org slash volunteer. Forrest, for those of us in San Francisco's Asian American community, do you think we need to do more to actually advocate for ourselves? I think, yeah, absolutely. Of, of all racial groups, we're, we're the worst self-advocates. You know, we're, we're taught from an early age, keep your head down, work hard, keep yourself out of trouble. You know, your success is, is de derived from merit, wealth. Don't push your problems to the forefront. I mean, look at how bad we are as a community in terms of mental health, Asian mental health. Asking for, your, for help for yourself when you need it, don't, don't do that. I mean, you're being selfish. It's bad. It's a negative thing to want to seek mental health treatment. And, and that reflects in how we advocate for ourselves politically as a community. I mean, we need to, we need to step up and get involved, you know, in, in, in local level and politics. I mean, look at the change that we were able to do as a community in 2021. Two recalls, unprecedented, right? We made history twice. We, we ousted a, a Chinese incumbent because he believed in alternatives to policing. He, he believed in preventing crime before it happened, whatever that means. Um, we need to turn up for small things like public comment on issues that matter to us. We got to, you know, drag yourself to city hall and be like, hey, what you're saying is not what I believe in. We have to find our own ways to hold our local leaders accountable, like we did with those recalls. And we, we need more Asians to run for office. We need, we need to return to a day where we have a fair seat at the board of supervisors, at the school board, DCCC, um, at, at the Democratic Party level, everything. So yes. Forrest, when we talk, and also when I talk to others, you know, who work with you and on various campaigns or actions in the Asian community, I mean, you're known as a hard charging guy. You make things happen. You get people to turn out. How do you do it? Hmm. You're asking me for my secret sauce, Ben? Uh, well, not the secret sauce, <laughs> but like the barbecue sauce that's not super secret. The secret one you can keep, but like the other sauce. You know, I guess I'll start by saying like, there's so many people that I've met even like not just individuals, like pockets, friend groups who were like, when all this has happening, when the Stop Asian Hate movement was happening, I wanted to get involved. I wanted to do something, but I didn't know what to do. I think the first step was how I just outline it over text. We're going to show up right now. We're going to ask for this because this is how it translates to stopping Asian hate or, or building a better community, uplifting Asian pride. Um, I think also like I've, I've been through this kind of like test of fire. Why is Forrest here? What's Forrest doing? Um, the why, why, why is like, you know, the, you know, like the Toyota CEO, the asking why, why, why? And like my conviction is unwavering. Like I'll always advocate for my community, stand up for my community, do things that make myself incredibly uncomfortable. And people know that. And so, and, and of course I show up for people like crazy. You know, I jump from event to event at night. I go to birthday parties. I go to funerals. I'm there for people, you know, at their worst times, at their best times, I show up for them, they show up for me because like it is the larger stop Asian hate movement that we all believe in, but it's also, we believe in ourselves as a community, as an Asian community, that we should be there for each other. And to answer your second question, that's what we need to start doing. We need to be there for each other. There's a lot of strange territorialism in fighting in the Asian community that happens. Uh, and it's, I think it's very normal as humans. But when we show up for each other, when we come together, 
that's when we show strength, the strength and resiliency of our community. And that's how we uplift the Asian pride. That's how we get more people to be proud to be Asian. One of the aspects of San Francisco that makes San Francisco strong is a sense of one, compassion, a sense of two, wanting to help marginalized communities, and three, wanting a sense of equity. I just always feel like those are all admirable things, but how do you do that by lifting people up rather than achieving equity by pushing people down? And there's a big difference in that. And let's raise everyone up. Let's have higher standards. Let's have higher expectations. Let's get better education for everyone. Let's achieve equity in that rise, not making everything the same and equal by pushing others down. I mean, I agree with that statement wholly. Do you have an interest in San Francisco small business issues and want to participate in a live, in-person version of this show? The We Are San Francisco podcast will be live at Neon, a co-working space in Cow Hollow on Wednesday, October 25th with business leaders and leaders from San Francisco city governments. RSVP now at wesanfrancisco.org slash live. See you there. Forrest, where would you like to see all of this heading? I think on a high level, right now and the appetite for it, the will for it and the people is to move away from radicalism. We're gonna move away from radicalism and towards pragmatism, right? We have tried many radical ideas, you know, and, and hey, we have every right to try new things. We've tried to defund the police. We've tried to make heavy the hand of compassion when it comes to drug addiction and homelessness. We've tried to see if an alternative to merit-based education would work. And we have seen those things fail horrifically. I actually love this idea of sort of the post-COVID world as this reset. Because COVID changed some patterns, changed some flows, reminded us some things. And so it's an opportunity to sort of like create a new world right now. And I think this idea of, hey, things are clearly not working in San Francisco in the status quo. And minor variations of the same failed approach are not likely gonna work or change things. So I would actually suggest to your prior point, I'm sort of an advocate for now, I call it radical pragmatism. (laughs) Um, The two things that you said combined, which is radical because, why is it radical? Because we can't, radical means a change for the status quo and the status quo is not working and we need a radical change. But the kind of change we need is a pragmatic one right? It results oriented. And we've got to streamline things. If programs don't work, we need to cut them, not add to them. If things are wrong and we don't uh, find a measurable way to write them, we've got to change things. So it's radical in that we've got to change from the status quo, but it's very pragmatic for right now. And there's nothing more pragmatic to your point than local government, local politics, my neighborhood, my block, the street in front of my house, and in my opinion, we've got to be radically pragmatic right now. You know, both of us in our own rights are leading change-based organizations. We are San Francisco Dear Community. If you're listening to this podcast, find a friend that you haven't connected with in a while because of COVID or whatever. Talk to them about what you heard. You don't have to make them listen. Just talk to them about what you heard from your perspective. And then show up for something. Show up for a Dear Community Chinatown Fridays happy hour, H-A-P-I-R. It's non-political. We just are helping an Asian business. We're having food. We're having drinks. It's fun. Show up for a We Are San Francisco happy hour. Very light, very casual. You'll meet new people and you'll meet like-minded people. 
if what we're saying resonates with you, you're not alone. There are hundreds, probably thousands of us. I don't know how many people you're keeping over there, Ben. It seems like a lot. There are many of us who desire to change that we're talking about, that we want to see. And it takes you coming up in person, finding me, finding Ben, saying, hi, how can I get involved to make that change? According to Forrest Liu, getting involved in Asian issues or any other cause is a matter of finding something you're passionate about, taking little action steps and building from there. One day you're watching a video and deciding you can't not take action. And on the next day, to your surprise, you're discovering that you've just found something that could become your life's work. Forrest says that the two San Francisco recall elections of 2022, first the Board of Education recall, then the district attorney recall galvanized the Asian community and reminded everyone that Asians have a very, very important role to play in the future of San Francisco. So we're at a crossroads. As Forrest points out, Asians make up more than one third of San Francisco, yet we're just a small proportion of the overall U.S. population. We're marginalized in ways that outsiders can't really understand. And that marginalization isn't always economic in nature. So it's time for the Asian community to be seen and be heard. Why did the recent 2022 update to the San Francisco housing elements refer directly to the American Indian community as worthy of special focus? The black community as worthy of special focus, but Asians were lumped in the other category? Maybe it's because we don't have enough seats at the table and we've got a demand to be seen and be heard. Some long for the days of Mayor Ed Lee, San Francisco's first Asian American mayor. Others believe that more Asian representation on the Board of Supervisors is the key. Would we even need a Board of Education recall or a District Attorney recall if the Asian community was treated like it was a true partner in San Francisco's future rather than just a source of votes on Election Day? So what can you do today to bring about the changes you're passionate about? Just show up. Show up when someone needs your support. Show up when you're invited to attend an event with others you may not know. Show up when your cause isn't getting the spotlight it should. Show up when folks are infighting and you can help everyone see the bigger picture. Just show up. Sometimes it's not about having all of the answers. It's about asking the right questions. But you often can't ask those questions if you don't show up. This is Ben Kaplan reminding you that we is always greater than me. We are San Francisco.